0: This is the one with a mobile toilet Duodecaphonic sound A capitalist wet dream Soil and green euthanasia centres And six suns,
1: apparently It's called the Sunmakers Here Here we go We're embarking on a voyage All through time and all through space Counting Daleks, Thal and and the Cybertronic race Tantarans look like taters And Silurians all have wonky scales And the Doctor has a TARDIS We're reviewing all his tales Who back
0: and Reviewing all of who there is
1: Back when and subscribe and red or night please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal. road. Come join us on this order to see what other choice could there
0: be Who that... Back when Who Back When Well, hello there, lovely people of Podcast Land. Welcome to another episode of Who Back When a Doctor Who Podcast. Or Doc Past. Or Doc Past For realties this time. Yes, we are back into history, not presenty. <laughs> <laughs> Correct Amando. <laughs> Oh, that lovely voice over there belongs to someone called... Leon. That's Ah, that's what they call me. They do call you that, yes. And then you respond, because it is your name. (laughs) (laughs) I've been conditioned over 30 plus years. (laughs) And you are? I am Jim. (laughs) Hello, Jim. (laughs) Good stuff. What are we talking about today? Today we are talking about the Sunmakers. That's why we're in your ears. Yes. Mm -mm. C095. In old money.
1: Closing in on that 100th Doctor Who uh, classic awesome.
0: serial. Yeah, Very exciting stuff. It is very exciting. And as you pointed out before we started recording...
1: Uh, but not quite as early as Drew back when pointed out to both of us over WhatsApp, that this is now our 290th episode of Who Back When. Wow. 290. Holy smoke a and cheese nozzles.
0: 300 is very close. You can almost touch it.
1: And... As you pointed out, oh, we're so polite, giving each other credit here. If we now alternate new classic, new classic, yada yada yada, our three hundredth might ju- we'll still we'll need to get back to you on the maths here, podcast land. But our three hundredth might just be our one hundredth classic, unless we wow. do a bonus. Yeah, we'll see, we'll figure it out. It's pretty exciting,
0: anyway. Sunmakers, sorry, Sunmakers. I feel like I derailed this. No, that's why we are here. Let's get it back onto the mm. onto the right tracks, and maybe nice. just get everyone up to speed. A little bite-sized chunk of who? I like the way you're thinking. Let's do just that.
1: Time for us to synopsize. labify, and summarize. So take a view and, and grab a brew, and, and listen time to time this overview. Yeah. This free-for-all, we like to call A by chunk, chunk of Who. Bite Chunk of Who.
0: There are two things certain in life. Death and taxes. And the people of Pluto decide to put those things together in the name of a more efficient corporate strategy. Unfortunately for citizen Cordo, Plutonian taxes can be raised at the drop of a hat, and he can no longer afford to pay the death taxes for his father. With the cards stacked against him, Cordo decides that there's no point even staying alive. Fortunately, the Doc and Leela find themselves on Pluto after the TARDIS center column stops functioning. Leela spies Cordo attempting to throw himself off a building, and with Doc's help manages to bring him to safety.
1: With a new episode buddy in tow, Doc and Leela go to find out what's happening inside the vast Megropolis on Pluto, where a sinister conglomerate run by The Collector manages and taxes every aspect of human life. A group of renegades called The Others, however, opposes the capitalist regime and soon recruits our TARDIS team in their ongoing efforts to stick it to the man. With the help of K-9 and his awesome weaponry, a class war is all but inevitable. Beast go over, over, you, you are, are welcome. welcome. Aren't you just
0: podcast land?
1: Hey, Jim and Cheesecakes.
0: Yes, just Leo. <laughs> where do you want to start? With a, a, a quick apology for how much I might be coughing and sneezing and making your life hell for an edit. Oh, don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that one in. <laughs> uh, I don't know where I want to start with this. This is... One that didn't leave a massively positive impression on me, I have to say. Oh, I am intrigued by that, because I have already written a
1: little, well, some bullet points for my review and rating, Yeah, and I've already given this a numerical value,
0: oh. and it is in the top half, let me tell you. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, so I don't think in any way is it a bad serial. Mm-hmm. I think throughout most of it, I was just getting a uh, kind of meh vibe from it. Oh, okay.
1: My Is view, that because of flexible. P- plots, characters, uh, production value? Anything in particular that sort of stands out for you?
0: I don't know. I, th- I think, like, plot-wise it's a bit wishy-washy. Oh, okay. Like, what I got from this was someone trying to do Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy mm. but without the humour. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> in a way, it had that kind of vibe of being a bit caricature and it's like, this isn't a realistic scenario. The completely over-the-top collector. I mean, my summary of him is, the collector is fucking terrible.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't entirely sure what I thought of the collector, and I I did look him up, because I figured there must be a background, and I found two very separate strands of critiques about this, or backgrounds about this. One was saying that it was anti-Semitic, which is not something that I at all noticed during the watch of the serial. And I Sorry, just,
0: just to jump yeah, in. Yeah, sorry,
1: go for I it. I did immediately
0: have that thought.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. There was someone who said that he... I can't remember where I read it. So this might be an INDB review, or this might be some blog somewhere. But it, someone said that he was made up to look Jewish. But that's... I think that's actually just a coincidence that the chap who played him... Now I can't remember his name, but he just happened to be Jewish. So no makeup required. Uh, but the other thing was, uh, and this was in fact on Tod's Wikia as part of the trivia, this whole serial is one
0: massive revenge piece for Robert Holmes. Oh, I think I read this bit of trivia on... Uh, Wikipedia as well. Is this this about the tax man?
1: Yeah. So he effectively had two different employments going in parallel. One was that he was on staff at the BBC and the other one that he was freelancing also for the BBC. So he was being, I don't know how this is legal, by the way, and BBC, I mean, if you're listening, come on. (laughs) (laughs) But somehow he was being taxed twice and he wrote this whole serial in response to that. And the character of the collector was, in terms of makeup and so on, specifically the eyebrows, the very bushy eyebrows, he was based on the, at the time, Chancellor of the Exchequer, Dennis Healy. And I looked him up. Yeah, he had mega bushy eyebrows.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I'm probably okay dismissing mm. any intent of anti-Semitism. Mm. I think it's just it's a careful ground to tread, given what an anti-Semitic sure. statement there is about heads of corporations and handling money in particular.
1: Well, I mean, there's but, there's a bit of a Shylock element to the character in general, right? I mean, he's he is there counting pennies and just taking people's. He's a money lender, effectively. Yeah. But
0: sorry, I just cut you off there. But no, I th- I think actually the, the fact that the actor is jewish yeah you would kind of hope means that there was no intent behind it there's no i don't know i don't speech. think there it's was just yeah it's, it's just one of those unfortunate things you can look at it and maybe interpret it that way yeah but yeah that'd be said i love that this is a revenge piece though It I, when i read that actually <laughs> I, I did kind of like the idea of, a bit more because it's interesting that actually it's turned in because i i just got like capitalism anti-capitalism anti-corporation yeah. all this kind of stuff yeah to then for all of to have ended up being about the tax man, yeah. <laughs> I found quite interesting actually how easy it is to make those. So I think I, I read a thing saying that um, it had to get toned down a bit, like it was a was it even it harsher? Was, apparently, Holmes was a bit too on the nose with a lot of things, and oh, like,
1: so what didn't <laughs> end up on the cutting room floor was
0: <laughs> probably, probably someone's name is just like <laughs> straight in there. You are an asshole, <laughs> <You> know, I, <laughs> Dennis <don't> know. Healy. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I wonder if it shifted focus from the taxes to more kind of corporate thing. But okay. But I, I still go, you know, go back to the kind of hitchhiker's idea. Like Douglas Adams played around with these sort of concepts and put them in sci-fi settings, and the idea that middle management are just useless, and all you know, all these kind of things yeah. pop, pop up, and he he has a way of addressing them that you just can't help but smile and laugh along with it. And it's a good caricature when it's done that way. This one just felt like it was... Trying too hard? Yeah, it was, it was just kind of... Well, if I put a snivelling character in there, and if everyone is pretending like life doesn't matter, and the, everything's in the name, name of the company, but no one knows what the company is, it'll just work. You'll just accept that these people just work and slave for nothing. And I don't know. That's just not really good enough you have to have a little (laughs) bit more substance around something to really care about the situation that people have been put in and why they're revolting against it and also going onto a sideline now go for it i felt like i was missing liking the renegades, the renegades were all horrible. Oh, that's such a good point. Relatively close to my
1: main beef with this serial, namely that we never get to see the victims of of this totalitarian capitalist society. Well, I mean, at most, we get to see one corridor of people who, yeah. at that point, have already decided, you know what, we don't want to, we're laying down our tools, we're not going to work for you anymore. But we never get to see life there. We only get to see the bad guy. Singular, by the way, because there is one bad guy. Well, there's kind of three in a way. There's wait, who's the third one? I can think of two. There's the collector, and then there's the is he called Gav- the gatherer? Gatherer Hade
0: Hade. And then he has he has a second in command. He has like a man. I think her name is
1: okay. Fine, but because both of those are human, how certain are you that they are not also just influenced by the gas?
0: Well, true. They might be yeah. right.
1: And we never get to see the rest of this company. There's the soliloquy by the collector who about how, well, they realised they they tried their hand at military warfare, but then they realised actually capitalism is far more efficient. And now that's the power that they wield across the universe. But who are they? Like, we never get to see them. He communicates back to HQ, but we never get to see HQ. HQ never even says anything.
0: No. he get Does he get readouts from them? Is, is that, or is that all just coming from the computer? Like I bit-
1: think that's all from the computer. And yeah. I didn't even take that to be comms. I took that to be someone checking the... Like, it's the ticker tape of looking at stock values. Yeah, that's what I took that to be. But I think that's the main flaw of this. And that, unfortunately, that takes it down to a level of production value as in like oh you didn't hire enough extras <laughs> you know if we had had a few scenes a few panoramic scenes of this is life in the megropolis Mag- here are families out of work like this is this is the life of cordor during the 2 hours of the day when he isn't working in the mines well
0: i did i kind of got the Im- implication they were trying to make was that everyone's a worker like there there isn't mm. a lot of downtime there probably isn't like a leisure deck you know there the whole point is that they've been their rights have been pushed and pushed and pushed to the point where they work more than you know is that's sustainable. a very fair point.
1: That's a super fair point. But I think
0: I think it's yours is still a fair point that we don't see enough of this civilization for it to. I don't like know. You,
1: it's difficult to sympathize
0: with people that you don't ever see. Yeah, especially when probably half the cast are soldier-like figures. They're dumb. Yeah, I mean, even uh, the re- mindless people that you know. Even we, the rebels. Yeah, even, even the Rebels.
1: With the exception of what's his face, Edgar Friendly. Edgar Friendly. Yeah, have you seen Demolition Man? I have. I got long massive long Demolition Man vibes off this. Dennis Leary plays Edgar Friendly in Demolition Man. Oh, that's an actual name, right? Yeah, I that's, thought, that's I that's thought the, that was no, the like, character of. Uh, he's friendly and he's got Edgar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hang on. Somewhere I made a note of what his actual name Mandrel or Mandrel. Mandrel, yeah. Yeah, so he is the Dennis Friendly of- <laughs> the Edgar Friendly of Pluto, <laughs> sorry. But his character is so incredibly similar to Dennis Leary's in Demolition Man, to the point where I wonder if this is just a stereotype, an archetype, or a trope, or if whoever wrote Demolition Man was- like, spent every evening of their life naked in front of this serial. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, with the exception of Edgar Friendly, all of the good guys... Oh, wait, hang on, no, 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 no. I take that back, actually. All of the rebels, with the exception of Dennis Leary, <laughs> Edgar Friendly... Fucking hell. <laughs> I, I'm going to rotate these names. With the exception of that chap, every rebel is just a mindless
0: drone. Yeah, that there, there is a rebel who I don't have the name for, actually, who... Oh, has, I know who ...has is. a little more autonomy. This is going to be uh, Gowdry or Goodry. I can't remember how you pronounce it. You know, I don't, I don't even recognize it. That's, that's how little <laughs> little attention they had for that character. I think it must be...
1: I made a note of him because I recognised the name of the... I I didn't recognise the face, to be honest with you, but I recognised the name of the actor, Michael Keating, of Blake's Seven fame.
0: Ah, uh, right. He had some scenes where things could have changed based on his action. So yeah, sure. Yeah. There was, a, there was a female... Veet or something I'd, like that? Right. Yes, Veet is a character in It must be her.
1: There you go, yeah. One of only three women on the planet, I believe. <laughs> yeah. It's Veet. It's one of the man guys. Like, the third in command, shall we say.
0: Oh, this is Marn. Re- Marn, yeah. yeah.
1: And then there's, there's a woman in the corridor. I say the corridor. There are a lot of corridors in this episode. But there's the corridor of people.
0: The... Workers the unites, workers re- rebelling yeah, sticking team. it to the man Yeah, when the gas has been switched off Exactly How cool is that, by the
1: way? Sorry, let's let's make this sci-fi to the hilt How cool is it that there's a mind-controlling, paranoia-inducing gas on this planet? See, so this is
0: why a it planet, it's Pluto It's a dwarf planet Yes, it's a dwarf planet, <laughs> yes, a dwarf planet. Yeah. Throughout this era, they refer to it as a planet because mm-hmm. they didn't know better That's all right, 1970s Yeah Whatever Yeah <laughs> It's it's an unfortunate situation to be in Like K9 (laughs) and the Doctor I think are the only people that you refer to this As a planet And they're the two entities that should definitely know This isn't a planet
1: You know what, they do it out of solidarity
0: They do, yes (laughs) They just feel like it was robbed It should still be a planet, goddammit Absolutely Or maybe in the future it gets reclassified Possibly, yeah (laughs) Anyway (laughs) Yes, I I don't Like I said before I don't think this is a bad episode I think it is things like that That keep it interesting yeah. So they PCM, which apparently is also a slight reference to yes. per calendar month. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there's also a P45 in there somewhere. Yes, there's yeah. like some corridor or train link. Is Yeah, yeah.
1: Go to level P45 or whatever. Say, yeah. Wait, I recognize P45. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: uh, for it's... overseas listeners, it's a
0: form that you have to, that you receive when you switch jobs. <laughs>
1: yeah, basically. <laughs> From the tax man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so we, we've got this interesting agent being put into the, the breathing system, the yeah, exactly. ventilation system. Yeah, that's what we call it. Because they're not a breathing either
1: all spending like their entire lives inside a building or underground.
0: Yes, for an episode titled The Sunmakers, none of the cast, other than at the end-ish and Cordo and
1: y- yeah, I mean, earlier
0: I- on, actually ever see a sun.
1: Yeah, can I interrupt with a super duper quick let's let, like let's put a pin and address it immediately they this happens on Pluto yes Pluto I was no I mean I was aware is not inhabitable by humans but I wasn't aware exactly how uninhabitable it is so I looked it up. The average surface temperature is in the minus multiple hundreds centigrade. Wow. And the atmosphere is in no way breathable. So, A, it is way hotter, possibly a consequence of these six suns. Let's put a pin in that as well, because I need to ask you about that. And B, they seem to have terraformed the planet. Yet, no one lives on the surface. Why? Why even terraform it in the first place? Well, I guess,
0: no, you're right, actually, because it is breathable on the surface. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No. When Doc mm. and Leela arrive, they know that they're on Pluto. I'm pretty sure they just step out of the <laughs> TARDIS on pluto and don't <laughs> they don't check the atmosphere. This is walk out. we're on Pluto. it's fine we can breathe. <laughs> uh, Cordo is there. he's about to commit suicide. He's about to jump off the rooftop.
0: I guess that's the thing though he's jumping the roof off the rooftop of a building which got built that's true. It's a um, kilometer
1: tall building
0: and the collector. Basically, did this same scheme on Mars, and then brought all of humanity from Mars to Pluto.
1: Oh, right. Okay, yeah.
0: So, probably used the human race to build this facility. Yeah. So, step one, make the place habitable, I guess.
1: And then build a building. But you would think that it would, like, it's it's a strange fact to me that the human race did not revolt sooner. Yes. So if they were on the surface of Pluto, which is perfectly inhabitable, you can—it has a breathable atmosphere—but then somehow they, at a certain stage, they must have resigned to the their fate of, I'm going to spend the rest of my life never seeing sunlight, never breathing natural air. Quote natural.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is again part of the. I'm not really buying it, and it's yeah, it's not fleshed out well enough. Fine. Expect, like. The, the only thing to keep humanity from revolting yeah. is humanity. The Collector has no power at all, really. He
1: has the gas, and that's it.
0: Yeah, but it's, so it's, there's a slight anxiety put into the human population, and suddenly yeah. people are willing to subjugate themselves under...
1: Which I think is an interesting
0: of, piece of social criticism in and of itself, though. I guess so.
1: Like, we, we have built this cage for ourselves, and we willingly throw the key far enough away from the bars so that we cannot unlock it. <laughs> okay. No? I mean, is it not? I mean, you said yourself, it, mankind is is the only authority keeping them caged. Yeah. No, I... Because there's no one here, here that just goes... Metaphor, yes. Is anyone unemployed in the Megropolis?
0: Presumably not. Exactly. Because the idea of not being able to pay off that debt to Cordo is just, uh, I won't be able to survive. I feel like there's a kind of inverse inflation in in a kind of supply and demand way with workers, probably. Okay. So there's always more work. There exactly. are never enough people. And Cordo is, I can't remember if he says it, level C worker or something, level three worker, something, something like that. Yeah. And his his pay, I think, I think there might be a throwaway line saying his pay is decreasing or something like that. and. Or taxes are increasing. Or maybe it's just that that factor. Yeah. Yeah, One way or another, though, his his actual... Yeah, his net wealth. gains are, yeah. are on the decline. Potentially, that's because there are more people at his level as well. You know, there possible, p- yeah. Like, but how does the
1: how does this species thrive? When do people
0: procreate? Uh, scheduled procreation times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
1: <laughs> how do you feel about the euthanasia centre?
0: It's a weird opening to a serial,
1: and it's never revisited.
0: No, and it- Paul Cordo has just
1: lost his dad speaks to an opening in the wall next to a gaffer-taped X, X, which I'm pretty sure... I'm assuming that X has been taped on the wall because that's where they originally meant to put the window. (laughs) (laughs) It's right next to this window. No one's bothered to take it away.
0: It looks weird, yeah, definitely.
1: But yeah, anyway, so he has recycled his... His deceased dad's body received some money in return. That money is meant to go towards the death taxes of his dad. I think I missed that he got something back from it. I think so. It's like, oh, we have taken the uh, the various constituent parts of his body. We recycled him. We've taken all the resources, and that has a combined value of X. Right. Plus, he left a certain amount of telmars behind. So yeah, X yeah. plus Y equals yada, 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 nowhere near enough to pay off his death taxes.
0: No, you, you now owe 80-odd, didn't he? Yeah. yeah.
1: I want to know what the gatherer does in his spare time, because he surely has spare time.
0: I guess, that. well, he, I don't know about spare time, but he has... Downtime. Less less defined role, whereas sure. a lot of the other workers, it seems to be very manual labor. Is, well, that machine needs looking after, you have to be here yeah. to look after it slop needs <laughs> cleaning up. <laughs> Including a whole
1: department devoted to uh, sending the PCM into the air ducts. Yes. Yeah. Which is quite interesting, I think.
0: Yes, because the the so the other character we haven't really mentioned is Bishop, which is the yes. the prisoner that Doc finds himself with I like that guy. I like that guy. Yeah. I had the note for when I I didn't know what his name was of I thought his name was Bishop throughout. I heard Bishop at the start as yeah. well. Oh, I can't... When, when do we see him? Is it the... It's in episode two. Uh, episode two, yes. Doc's captive with the politest prisoner ever. <laughs> I've got him down as nice chap in most
1: of my notes. <laughs> yeah. And I've got Cordo uh, down as soy boy beta cock in most of my notes. <laughs> yeah. So my final note of episode two is, Leela nice chap, K9 and soy
0: boy beta cock are ambushed. <laughs> yeah, there's a point later where i I note... Know- the nice prisoner is also the tallest prisoner. Oh, right, yeah. The, the scene where he's with, it's probably that same scene. It's just Leela and Cordo near him, and he looks like a good foot and a half above them. <laughs> I think they were maybe bent over a bit, he just looks insanely tall.
1: That's an interesting bit of sci fi as well. I think this episode actually, or this serial actually has a lot of high concept sci fi to it. Which possibly gets overshadowed by the incredibly ham-fisted allegory of down with the taxman. I mean, yeah. we, have, we have the PCM, we have mind control, because the doc and nice chap, whatever his name is, Bishop. Bish- Bishop. Bishop. They're going to have their minds wiped and they're going to be reconditioned in some way to become productive members of society, like productive employees of the company. That in and of itself, it's, that's novel,
0: that's cool. I mean,
1: it's uncool, obviously, but it is. Yeah. It, that's serious, hardcore sci-fi.
0: I would debate you slightly on it being novel, but yeah, okay. it is cool. it's, it's Fine, it's not novel. I apologise. It's quite a trope, really, but... You're sure fine. Yeah. It seemed like such a small part, and again, it, it never comes up again. It's just this one scene of... Yeah. And I, I don't think I even felt any kind of threat around the dock being captured oh, particularly no, no, because right. the dock was on good form in that yeah <laughs> that whole environment it was just yeah i'm getting out of here you're gonna come with me and it's like well that scheme didn't work well this one will <laughs> yeah like he's immediately hopping around What bishop says you know where are you going doc going for a little hop good <laughs> for the circulation because <laughs> <laughs> he's he's manacled you know arms and legs tom baker's on good form in this one i think he is yeah I think it was a good Doctor episode. He's super doctor And actually,
1: something that you pointed out in our last bonus episodes that we just recorded a couple of days ago, the, um, what's it called, Spyfall bonus reaction thingy, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you've listened to it, Podcast Land. If you haven't, then do. The fact that in Classic, we very often get the Doctor and the companion or companions separating and having their own, you know, separate respective adventures. Yeah. This is definitely an example of that.
0: Yes. leela has got a companion more than dog has yeah, got a companion. You know what?
1: Yeah, that's a super good point. I she love takes K-9
0: everywhere. Yeah. Because he's a fucking badass. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why she takes him. You know, this is not for the company, not for the intelligence. It's because he's got a big fucking laser. <laughs> <laughs> and he knows where to point it.
1: Yeah, you're right. She has a companion in K-9. She also has added companions of the week in uh, yeah. nice guy and
0: uh, soy boy and gets stuff done she does she really does I, I mean even right from the start like i think it's unquestionable that it's leela that really saves cordo it's the doc mm. that assists and maybe without the doc's help yeah. leela wouldn't be able to do it but absolutely she definitely instigated it and um, did like majority of the the kind of talking him down i think definitely Slight sideline from this, yeah, but a reasonable segue. That was not a jelly baby. What he offers Cordo, yeah, looked like a square licorice sort to me. Very interesting. Which it's not very interesting. No, it is. But interesting, jelly babies dude. feature about four times in this episode, I think. Yeah, like I, it becomes a a device where they know that the Doctor's been there because exactly he his jelly babies. Because nice
1: chap says, "Oh yeah, yeah, jelly babies."
0: Yeah, but he, yeah, it, this didn't seem like he offered him a jelly baby. And I'm sure there's another point as well where. <laughs> do you think they just ran out of jelly babies? Or do you think
1: the doctor is just so used to offering jelly babies that any. Is, is it. So he just doesn't understand what a sweet is. It's is like... it sort of like Haribo's? You know, like at a certain point, you just refer
0: to all jellies as Haribo's. Possibly. <laughs> Maybe you don't. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's it. Later on in episode two. Yeah. Towards the end, he offers a humbug. But it's a jelly baby It's possible he's just saying humbug But I don't think he is Oh, interesting He's like humbug And it's blatantly a jelly baby Wait, he in episode two
1: So he does this to Nice Chap Yeah, it probably is to Nice Chap But Nice Chap later on Refers to that humbug as a jelly baby Yeah, because it is a jelly baby Yeah, but he's never
0: heard the term jelly baby Ah, true He doesn't know what a jelly baby is (laughs) They caught a (laughs) name (laughs)
1: <laughs> 1970s bbc we just found a <laughs> we, we found a mistake
0: <laughs> the case of the mistaken jelly baby
1: <laughs> we're talking about lila a moment ago lila's great can i just address something that maybe I, I don't know maybe should be cut out of this podcast i don't know but do we get to see way more legs and ass in this cereal than we normally do I don't know because like she's wearing something way more revealing
0: suddenly. And there are so we've, we've, many. Which... Oh, sorry. What was last time? Did we have the change of outfit, or was that the time before? Oh,
1: you're right. I don't remember if this is the new or the old one. I can't remember. Either way, I feel like there's so much. Like, there are so many times in my notes where I, I I just point out, "Wow, this is this is getting distracting
0: to me." <laughs>
1: I want to focus on the sci-fi, but. Wow,
0: I mean it is a ridiculously skimpy outfit i just I don't know if it's anything particularly more skimpy than it was before
1: i'm I'm gonna go ahead and say it is in episode one. I've added Christ Leela, so distracting in episode three, <laughs> screenshot six minutes in, Mr. Skin, and so on and so forth. There's a level of objectification in this serial that I don't think we saw in the last one
0: i't yeah, I think. The interesting thing is there's no mention of it. So last, it is the last time. It's Image of the Fendal where she had an outfit change. And then she ends up going back to her old one. Her old outfit, one, yeah. Which which is what we've got now. Yeah. Although it sounds like it might be different. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I don't remember. I'd forgotten that that happened, actually.
0: But there, yeah, so there, there's a lot of focus on her outfit in the last serial. True. And... I feel like that was that was a skimpier one than it was before.
1: Maybe it was, maybe you're and then, right,
0: but I maybe d- the maybe the camera work is different. I, I don't f- know. I feel like she was being like genuinely exploited in this one. There was a, a point where I I remember they're going down a ladder. Okay, and thinking now if this was 2020 being filmed. <laughs> We would cut away before Lila goes goes down that ladder. Nope, nope. It's 1977. Nope, Yep. Yep, (laughs) Yet we're seeing her ass come down the ladder. Okay. Yeah. but Yeah. It's quite possible. I mean, we've talked about this before. They know what they're doing. They absolutely do. The audience knows what they're doing. Obviously, there's not enough of a voice to point out the negative. But we learned this recently,
1: right? Through one of the listener minis. I apologize. I don't remember who mentioned this, but we're only going to have... Like a handful more Leela stories or something to that yeah, effect, right? Or, you know what? I didn't know that Leela was going to be the next companion, so I don't. I also don't know who the companion after Leela is going to be. I don't remember at all. But I'm kind of hoping it's not going to be someone who's just mega blatantly objectified. Yeah. I mean, think the really
0: sad thing is... She's great. We, exactly. We, she
1: doesn't need this.
0: We saw pictures of her before we got into her mm. her era, like maybe just like an episode before. Sure. My impression of that character was tainted by seeing that outfit. It's like, yeah. oh, they've brought on effectively a, a dumb blonde character just as a bit of eye candy sort of thing. And no, like we have both warmed to her. She's actually written very well. Yeah. Louise Jameson does a marvelous job performing the character. And at this point, I really feel like those two are chemistry. Yeah, definitely. I think i forgot which episode it was where they had a yeah where they that switch it. Might and might have been Fang Rock. Might yeah, it could well have been. And and Baker found some respect for yeah. for, <laughs> for Louis Jameson and he was missing before. Maybe he thought the same thing. Maybe he thought Possibly. someone has just oh someone's slept with the producer and is on on my show wearing a skimpy outfit. We No, I'm making this up. I'm making this up. But yeah, that that's the sad thing, is it's taking away from all of that. It it really is. Yeah, like you, you can't look at because you you send a, a screenshot when you said you were you were watching it the other day. Yeah, and it's it's that, just that was s- a random screenshot, yeah. by the way. I wasn't
1: trying to get one of her being exploited on screen. That was literally what was happening on my TV at the time.
0: Yeah, it's it's randomly. I think one of the first ones that came up was the image search, or, oh, really? or or an article I was reading or something. It it was also. Her, it's basically it's her stood in Metatus. Yeah, it's it's not an action shot. It's no, it's, it's from nothing.
1: episode one. It's like immediately post chess game or something. Yeah. yeah,
0: but it's just like oh, that's that's a hell of a lot of leader. I can see there.
1: Yeah, that's
0: my point.
1: This is, and in addition to which, this is more of Leela than we normally get to see. I gotta assume that this is the BBC reacting to something. It's either suits upstairs going, we need more leg, or it's viewers writing in saying, she's
0: really, really good looking. This is what they all sound like, by the way. (laughs) I think the sad thing is as well. It's just so incredibly obvious when it stood next. She stood next to Tom Baker, yeah, who is wearing fifty layers. Yes, yeah, that's the thing of, <laughs> of possibly any other doctor. I'm not quite sure. Like they probably wear the same amount of clothes, but all of his are quite bulky. Like he really looks he like he's a wearing
1: s- a lot of clothes. He wears a scarf.
0: Yeah, he wears a scarf and a coat, and, and a coat and
1: a waistcoat. Yeah, and a shirt. Yeah, like she wears a could leather he- bikini. Be
0: wearing any more clothes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Chenandla Bong. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah and the sad thing is that, you know we feel that like we have to talk about it every time this yeah. is this is d- distracting away from the serial what we could be discussing I agree. because because it's always worth talking about because it's so blatant yeah i agree hey ho just to sum up Lila, the character itself awesome yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that sorry no staying on this point because she, oh, okay <laughs> change your mind she's the one that's thrown into the pit basically with the others the others are a Bunch of assholes. This this is the the renegade force that's going to overthrow the capitalist society. Damn you, Dennis Leary.
1: (laughs) Wait, they're going to overthrow the capitalist society? There are five of them, (laughs) and all they do is, like, they they steal dinner they
0: don't enjoy. Yeah.
1: They have no plan. What
0: what are their uh, merits for leadership? (laughs) Like, who's going to rule this world afterwards? (laughs) It's going to be chaos. People are going to die in the thousand. (laughs) But anyway, like, Mandur was being a bastard. He's in prison, Leela. Dockers... Yeah being gassed he's been sent on a mission basically to cash a check yeah in the
1: very worst (laughs) heist ever yeah i like that they have that little scene of um what's her name vite is it is that's isn't it who's forging the the de facto check the little card the credit card yeah I'd like that. That's very cool because it's not just I mean she's working on circuitry in some way to write a longer like a, a larger figure.
0: Oh, is that what was good? I don't think I fully understood cuz she was very adamant and was like, "No, this is this is real. It will work." I I thought they just stolen it. Cuz
1: she has like a soldering, right. line, I think. And I I think what she's doing is effectively just adding
0: a zero at the end. Yeah, so someone someone had a $1. Like, here
1: are 10 10- Telmars. I'm gonna turn this into a hundred Telmars. Yeah, okay.
0: You know, I think that's what it is. But anyway, because cause Doc doesn't immediately come back from this mission, hmm. leader is under threat of being killed. She fights everyone. Yeah. And then challenges Mandrel, the leader of the others. Yeah. And he basically backs down because he's a fucking weak asshole. Yeah. And she heads off on a rescue mission. Yeah, and look, like, this is the thing, like he she not only physically betters them all yeah she she morally verb- verbally morally intellectually betters them all as well a hundred percent, and it's incredible, like I love Leela I think she's amazing, yeah, that is such a wonderful thing, like I can't imagine most new who companions who generally get better writing, I think well so, well, I mean all of new who gets slightly slightly better writing yeah. oh, on the whole
1: on the whole yeah there's, uh, there,
0: there's obviously yeah <laughs> some outliers there. <laughs>
1: And I can, that's I also not to say that any of classic who is poorly written much of this is very well written yeah but it's written in a different like the style is slightly different it's you use the term characteristic before that much of this is a caricature but as a caricature it's incredibly well
0: done yeah in
1: some cases
0: i think that kind of i guess drama like the, but without being melodrama yeah. Is something that Classic Who, in my mind at least, struggles with okay, yes. quite frequently. Yeah, I was going to say occasionally, but actually, yeah, you're right, frequently. And New um, Who probably hits that mark more comfortably because budgets are better. Sure. Production values moved on. It's just a bit. Audiences expect more. Yeah, exactly. So it's just either easier or just expected, whatever. And yeah. generally, you see someone facing off against someone, giving a, a monologue, you yeah. expect that act to portray emotion. And you know a bit of gravitas or whatever, sure. But it doesn't always happen in, in classic, but definitely happened with Leela in this.
1: It is what it is.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna miss Leela when she goes. Definitely. I don't remember how many more we get, but I hope. I feel it's... like it might be just be two now. I think what? I think it might just be to the end of this series. by the looks of it.
1: I'm really gonna miss her. Like yeah. at this point, she is. I. I. I no, I don't want to go so far as to say that she's my favorite classic companion so far, but she is wonderful absolutely wonderful and i think possibly i enjoy the interplay between her and tom baker more than i did sarah jane and tom baker i think it's it's,
0: it's more e- interesting it's more interesting and it's easier to understand as yeah. well so we kind of touched upon this but can i just ask six sons what no idea and what
1: does this company do is are
0: they in the business of manufacturing sons i don't know I, like son can't mean son can it can it not you can't put six suns around Pluto, and I feel like there's a not avoid a, a hell of a universe lot of exploding. Shit
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's a line somewhere in parts one or two to the effect of every megropolis has its own
0: sun. Right? Okay.
1: It's never explicitly explained, but I took this to mean maybe I did completely misunderstand this, but I took this to mean that the job of everyone living in a megropolis is to sustain one specific sun, like that's their job. They feed it energy, they feed it whatever, chemical reactions, anything to keep this sun alive. Maybe even matter, just to build it up. Who knows? I don't know. I Where don't the shit know. are these six suns coming from? How does the Earth still
0: exist? How does anything still exist? I don't know. It's nonsense. I've got, I've got a whole lot of I don't know. <laughs> Do you recall if Doc is aware of the six suns when they first land? I don't think so. I think he's surprised the first time he hears
1: suns used in the plural form. Right, I can't remember the contexts, or even who delivers it, presumably Cordo, Cordo, gordo, Cordo. Cordo, ugh, that
0: guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i I feel like I might have spaced big time <laughs> on, on the attempted explanation for what the company was doing. <laughs> I don't think I have the slightest idea Did, did they talk about mining? like cause, yeah, because he's a miner, isn't he? Cordo? Oh, is he? Uh, okay.
1: Maybe I'm mistaken there as well. There are was... definitely miners.
0: Yeah. And the reason they went from Mars to Pluto is they had basically zapped all the resources on, on Mars. When does this take place? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> 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 i second your hmm <laughs> well I, c- I can tell you that the the cereal ran from the 26th of november to the 17th of december in 1977 that's i i like it i like wait
1: hang on uh, as our resident uh, podcast land in, in, in case you're new to who back when <laughs> jim Maroonie and cheesecakes over there he is our resident star wars expert where are we currently in relation to star wars i
0: think it. Still might not have quite come out in the UK. (laughs) Okay, fine. Yeah, bizarrely it premiered on the 27th of December, 1977.
1: Oh, really? Yep. 27th of December, 1977? Yep, people were rocking up to the cinema day after Boxing Day. Ten days after part four of the serial. Ten days after part four of the serial. That's pretty badass. I tried to uh, find out when this takes place exactly. I couldn't find it. But it it seems that given everything that is set up in the serial... There is no more life on Earth. Anything that we ever see throughout all of Classic Who that happens on Mars must be way before this. You just said, like, there's nothing yeah. on Mars, right? Mars is now a hollowed-out husk of a planet.
0: That's Another thing why I really struggled to buy this is the whole premise of the serial. <laughs> because we've seen so many things about humanity going out and conquering. Yeah. And, and they, they leave the solar system behind as well, like... We've, we've encountered maybe these things. are maybe they leave some stragglers behind.
1: Maybe there are people know. who don't want to travel a, away and some sinister company shows up and goes, you know what, you don't have to you don't have to leave this solar system. Stay here. We'll build more suns. It'll be a solar system of many solar objects.
0: Solar's system.
1: Exactly. We we'll we'll keep you employed just as long as you pay your taxes. Maybe. So I love the whole tax situation about this, by the way. Sorry to circle back towards that. But I love that there is a work tax on extra hours of work. (laughs) (laughs) I love that the doctor's arrested and the the collector goes, don't worry, you'll receive an invoice for being arrested. (laughs) There are so many lovely little digs here.
0: Anyway, sorry. I think he repeats what we just talked about. I think maybe I could have loved it if I just didn't hate the collector quite so much.
1: (laughs) He's also a total sadist.
0: Yes. Well, just doesn't give a shit about anything or anyone at all. But, I
1: mean, the steaming.
0: Oh, no, you're right. Yes, actually relishing in it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He's like a snuff movie fanatic.
0: Yes, I'd forgotten that bit. Yeah, this is where the uh, geodecaphonic sound comes in. Oh, this was it. wants to hear every aspect of Leela being steamed. Oh,
1: interesting. Oh, so the only note I've made from that scene, this is in episode four, the steaming of Leela sounds more erotic than it actually was. He says something to the effect of, I I think possibly I quoted him, maybe call this a paraphrase just for the record, the subtleties will be lost, the finer cadences of suffering.
0: That sounds about right, yeah.
1: Wowee, that guy is a sadistic mf -er. (laughs) In that same scene, by the way, I I made a note of a couple of other lines. We have Hade. is that his name? The Gatherer? Gatherer Hade. yes. Gatherer Hade, (laughs) who normally refers to him as your highness, your excellence, etc. I've made a note of two things he says in that scene, your corpulence and your embarrassment.
0: I actually would have enjoyed slowing down his interactions with the collector because I feel like there must be an intentional shift in the way he refers to him. Because interesting. He talks to him many, many, many times with that kind of thing. And he says so many of those phrases. Yeah. And possibly doesn't ever repeat them, like that actually is wonderful dialogue, which it, which he's fantastic as a character. Hey, I friggin adore. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear it. he's amazing <laughs> but, but that this is also where I get the hitchhiker vibe from is from him like ah. he is doing a hitchhiker performance as where, a as where, an
1: intergalactic
0: bureaucrat or yeah that what? that kind of level where but I'm buying it. This this is the difference between him and the Collector. The, the Collector just seems too characteristic. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Hade feels like someone's written a comedy thing, and he's being a straight man in a dramatic way. You know, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Inside that comic, yeah. But there isn't actually there any humor around it. It's just him. It's being the circumstance wonderful. that yeah. works.
1: Yeah, that works around him. But So given that this is episode four, possibly he is now no longer or decreasingly under the influence of the PCM, of
0: that gas.
1: Oh, that's very true. And that's why he's starting to introduce terms like corpulence and embarrassment instead of highness and excellence.
0: Yeah, that could well be it, actually.
1: He doesn't shift in attitude as he delivers these lines. No. He gets away with it. The collector doesn't notice.
0: No, not at all. It's wonderful. Do you agree that Man is a bit of a nothing character, which is unfortunate.
1: Possibly proving that point, can you remind me who's Marn? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Marn is oh the Haid's, third in command. Yeah, Hade. Right, right hand. Yeah,
1: I I feel like she's there because the 1970s were mega sexist, and Hade needed a secretary.
0: I don't know. It's it's interesting because. She does she actually... There was a point where I wondered if, if she was going to assume control.
1: Really? I never felt that she wielded any form of authority.
0: I guess, I guess actually, thinking back to it, she didn't. <laughs> but I just kind of got a vibe about her. Maybe it's just the actress is just playing it very confidently. I think she's more educated than
1: everyone else. Yeah. Like, she seems more sophisticated, more worldly.
0: Like, I, I don't think I would have been entirely shocked if she turned out to be <gasps> running the whole show.
1: Sort of oh, thing. I would have liked that. I think maybe that earns the retro rewrite <laughs> of the week. I like that as an yeah. idea. Yeah. Aside from that, I don't know. I mean, she she brought people in to see head. Yeah. And she was responsible for the tracking system. Oh, was she? Oh, yeah. You're right. She was. You're right. You're right. You're right. But That's this probably, is another yeah. thing. So yeah. the, there's the bad guys are one slash two slash three people depending on how far you're willing to extend the radius of the circle of bad
0: guyery. Some goons. Yeah, exactly.
1: But you'd assume that if they are the top three honchos of this operation, then that's a pretty exclusive club. But we start this serial off with Cordo, who just has to pay taxes in literal coins. Like he has a bag of coins. Yeah. And he is granted an audience with... Hades and hands him the bag of coins. Like, that's that's getting your hands dirty kind of work. From Hades' point of view, I mean. He's meant to be a politician. He helps create policy. Yeah. But actually, he's there literally accepting bags
0: of cash. Is this just the usual sci-fi trope of a village being a planet? You know, that that's a fair point, yeah. We, we've talked that they're isn't a big cast in this, and there probably should be for what they're talking about. Like he's in a room, and there are a lot of extras in the background. That's true. Sat at consoles, or he then brings the desk.
1: coin purse to someone else.
0: Yeah, yeah. But there's there's no concept of the tax department. That's true. Being separate because that would involve a fourth in command or something. Yeah, you know. I I also did wonder at one point the reference to the six sons uh-huh. and saying that they're the Megropolis controlled a sun or something like i almost started wondering oh are there five other Megropolises on pluto at the moment i assume so yeah but i don't remember that being clear and, not at all and the fact that the collector is there like this doesn't seem like a no it's not not set up to be a bigger operation like if it was a bigger operation then we would have a fourth in command and we wouldn't have people walking up to gather a Hade and handing over bags of cash
1: I 100% agree with you. In right. fact,
0: this is one of my bullet points. <laughs> but yeah, the collector should be somewhere else entirely, really, overseeing all six.
1: Either that, or he is one of six underlings to
0: a, you know, Uber collector. But if that's true, then... On Pluto. Then why is Doc shaking everyone's hand and leaving? Like, he's got he, five more... I re- know. I know.
1: It's not just that. He's also shaking the hand of maybe 20 people when there are millions upon millions living in this skyscraper who should, I mean, the ideal climax to this episode, to episode four, in my mind, would be the gates open and everyone floods out, and for the first time, they breathe fresh air, they have sunlight shining on their skin, and they realize they no longer need to work. And it should probably, if this is such an incredibly in-your-face, anti-capitalist allegory, then this should also end with someone literally putting down, like one person putting down a hammer and another person randomly putting down a sickle and just going, fuck it, we don't need to work anymore. We're good, you know, but we never get to see more than 20 people. No. What does it matter if he shakes the hand of 20 people if, let's say, 10 million minus 20 people are still suffering? I I'd, I'd agree with you. That is probably what it needed. And by the way, the 20 p- hands that he shakes, those are the same hands that just
0: murdered a dude. <laughs> yeah, I... Because I liked Hade, <laughs> And because of your point that the PCM could well be driving everyone to... Yes! Basically <laughs> adopt a role in society. Maybe he was a victim. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The fact that they just throw him off <laughs> the building... For one kilometre. He he fell a whole yeah. kilometre. Is <laughs> fucking horrendous.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: Yeah, but your, your issue with... The ending, and it would be better if there was a oh, we've, we're going to see the sunlight for the first time, which yeah. actually some of them do, they're on the roof, they have seen sunlight. It, yeah, 20 of them. It does seem that would possibly be a bit to Logan's Run, which I've just looked up, okay, was fair. was only the year before. Uh, okay, so I don't know if they ever pay attention to this kind of stuff. It's I big,
1: don't know but, if this is more Logan's Run or if this is more Soil and Green.
0: See, I've not seen that. I mean, not? No. Soil and Green is a I, classic difference about it, but. Never watched it.
1: Yeah, I feel like the 20 people on that rooftop who are representative of everyone who's now been promised a better life, they are all the people who want to burn... Did you watch Walking Dead? No. Okay. So there's a character, Negan... And Hade to me is Negan. Negan is a, is like the bad guy of at least two seasons. He's got a baseball bat. He like he caves two protagonists' heads in. Spoilers if you haven't watched Walking Dead. Sorry, dude. And <laughs> then at least a couple of seasons past the point where you should absolutely have gotten on the wagon and stopped watching The Walking Dead. Negan is still around, but he's kept alive and he's reformed and he's now, like, in a way it's insinuated, I did get on the wagon, so maybe this changes, but it is insinuated that some people are evil because the world kind of forms you to be, like, you're a product of your circumstances. And he was a vicious bastard for at least two seasons, but he is still kept alive. In this case, a dude who is also the product of his circumstances, possibly even on a chemical level, is sacrificed... In a horrendous way. Yes. And they are cheering it. They are cheering it. And by shaking their hands, the doctor is condoning their actions. That's
0: very true. I think he's even smiling and. I'm not very on board. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's awful.
0: Yeah. Sorry, I just talked over you there. No, I'm just agreeing with you. Anyway, I'm not on board with that. No, heard, I just find it weird as well that this is the one they choose to have a proper farewell scene for. <laughs> yeah, you're is right. They, you know what, I don't give a shit about any of these people. If they had reformed Hayd, if, if the doc had, like, stayed around and worked with Bisham to say, yeah. you know, his PCM has been controlling everyone, we're going to have to find a new way to live. Yeah. And Hayd was all like, oh my god, what have I been doing? And, you know, that was the end. And he shook Hayd and Bisham's hands. Cordo, I actually didn't give a fuck about by the end. He, he went a bit weird and annoying. Yeah, he Random, did Randomly he? cheering at stuff and <laughs> shooting his gun in the air. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Like those would probably the two characters I would be most interested in to, to have a kind of payoff for. Yeah. Yeah, but no, we get it for the shitbags that have imprisoned Leela and the doc through most of the serial.
1: Maybe another potential retro rewrite would be to have Hades suddenly breathe fresh air, and um, as in no longer breathe PCM, and go, wait, hang on. I know how to take this system down, because I've been on the inside from the very beginning. Yeah. And then... He helps them foil the plan, and he can't get credit. I guess maybe Soy Boy needs to get credit, but I say Soy Boy. I drink soy milk as well, podcast land. So don't think that I'm judging anyone. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, so it turns out the Usurian—that's what they called, right? Just to make it even more on the nose, the collectors' species. It turns out they are actually quote sea kale with eyes.
0: Oh yes. <laughs> We we learn this after he has disappeared down his toilet seat. (laughs) That's right. That is correct. (laughs) Stupidest ending for a villain ever.
1: You will be pleased to learn that the Usurians return in three novels. I am so, so pleased to hear that. (laughs) Bonus episodes. Three bonus episodes, Podcast Land. (laughs) You did not hear it here first. (laughs) Oh, wait, hang on. Actually, there was a, sorry, taking a a step back again, there was a point I wanted to make about the people who, about the farewell scene with the people on the rooftop. Do you genuinely believe that they are going to be able to maneuver sky freighters to get out of there?
0: Is that the explanation to escape?
1: Yeah, they're going to go to Earth.
0: Man, I was not paying attention at the end of this.
1: (laughs) I'm I'm pretty sure they're going to go to Earth. At the very least, they're going to leave Pluto. Right. And the doctor says something to the effect of, yeah, those sky freighters still work, just take them.
0: I guess there must be people like we we talked about how they're basically in a, a prison of their own making. Yeah. There must be people that understand these things. Like we know But how long have they been there? Who knows? But like maybe they they use them to move stuff around the planet. Like Oh, that's true. It's it's not I think a given that no one goes outside. It's just that most people don't. And the likes of Cordo Yeah. Uh, a level cd whatever def- they wouldn't definitely be able doesn't. to no but i think it's conceivable that there are people who maybe pilot those things to do construction work outside or it's just that they are also capable of interplanetary travel yeah i don't know.
1: No, that's a very fair point i
0: hadn't considered that
1: right okay two random points each before ratings
0: hit me okay i'm gonna submit <laughs> here we go it's going to be a good one. I'm going to submit an option for worst scene. <gasps> oh, I'm super excited. Or at least part of a scene. Okay, this better not be the corridor action scene. <laughs> I don't don't know which one you mean.
1: Co- the- car chase lasers? Oh, well. Okay, no, sorry. No. Sorry, so- I don't mean to infringe upon among- you. Go, no, for, it, go no. for it, go for it, go for it. Sorry. No, sorry.
0: it's, so, mm, first half of episode four, when Leela has been rescued, and the collector is not happy that he didn't get to see her, or rather hear her, dying in the steaming Yeah tube <laughs> and he just goes around in circles in his little chair literally kind of trying to talk to Hade who has stood stationary and having to turn his head and throw out a line as he goes round and then wait and then come back around again. I don't know what this happened. <laughs> and uh, yes it was really annoying. <laughs> is it <laughs> I think I remember that. Something's just
1: dawned on me. This is the second bad guy we've had who's in a wheelchair. Next to Dabros? Yeah. Is that a trope? Is that a thing? Don't know. Something like a Doctor Strangelove situation.
0: It probably is a trope, yeah. Yeah? But I think villain sitting down is definitely a trope. Oh, that's true. Whether All that's missing is a white cat <laughs> yeah. being
1: stroked, yeah. Okay, so I see your collector going around in circles. Yes. <laughs> and I raise you. They don't have the word dark. Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> in episode one, this is Leela, Doc, and whatever his face is, Cordo. They're going deeper underground, to quote Jamiroquai, and it is getting darker. And when Leela or Doc says, like, oh, it's really dark in there, Cordo goes, what's this word dark that you're talking about? Does it- he? <laughs> and we get a little outlay of the doctor going, yeah, because they've never seen light, they also don't have a word for dark. But that is
0: bullshit, because his English is perfect. Okay. (laughs) And what? (laughs) The lights go off at night, surely. Yeah. (laughs) Like, they haven't evolved to sleep in bright (laughs) artificial illumination all the time, surely. Okay, your turn. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, are we still doing shit scenes, or just... (laughs)
1: Uh, Anything you like,
0: it can also be a good thing. Wait, no, I do have a shit scene. All right, let's hear it. (laughs) Let's ping-pong some shit scenes. (laughs) Doc and Leela are, are left in the collector's office. Discover what they think is a safe. Turns out just to be a door to another room. Oh yeah, what was in that room? Fuck knows. I don't. I don't I
1: think know. that was a safe.
0: Was it just a safe? I think so. But anyway, the, the fact that they both try and go through the door at the same time. <laughs> I forgot about that. Again, this is happening <laughs> too frequently. It's That's ridiculous. Very slapsticky. It's yeah. Ridiculous. And then the fact that the doctor just walks off. He he basically just kind of gives up going into the room. And then Lila runs in and gets zapped by a force field. I read that that was originally meant to be the scene in which Lila
1: dies. What? Yeah, they were going to kill off Lila. Like that? <laughs> like that. Fuck no. <laughs> she deserves so much better than that. I'm sure I would have, if they had kept that in the final draft, then there would have been some build up to it. And she'd, you know, she'd talk about... All the adventures she looked forward to going on, and oh, how much she liked traveling with the doctor, and oh, isn't it great to be alive? And then she would have run in and and died, and we'd probably have a few minutes of mourning following that, but... But no, no, they originally intended for this to be Leela's final episode. Wow. Thank goodness it wasn't. I really do not want her to leave. She is great.
0: She is great. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I actually don't remember the... Was
0: there anything in that room?
1: <laughs> I don't think Doc is ever able to go into it because of whatever
0: that force field is or... No, wait, no, there's tur- a button yeah, on the wall. Yeah, he turns You're up. right. Because this is what, what pissed me off is like they're both trying to run into that room. Like yeah. It's by sheer luck... That, that she's the one who gets zapped. she's the one that gets zapped. Yeah. Doc had no idea whatsoever and just buggers off. And then she gets zapped, and then goes, oh, there's a little switch. And it's just, (laughs) no, like, stop making me hate the doctor. (laughs) I did enjoy
1: the doc pretending to be able to crack the safe, though. It's like, click, 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 click. It's like, do you know what you're doing? No, 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 but this is what it always looks like (laughs) when people try to crack safes.
0: (laughs) But of course, how did he open the safe? Did he sonic it? Pretty sure he's sonic it. Oh, damn it. Oh, Fine. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it.
1: Okay, fine. I see... Wait, is this the last one or do you have more? Because if you have more, I know what I'm ending on. Are we still in the shit scenes? Whichever one you like, <laughs> dude. It can be good stuff. I'm not making okay. you say shit stuff. Okay, fine. I see your slapsticky entrance to the safe and I raise you Doc hypnotizing the gun and accidentally hypnotizing Leela at the same time. Oh, I like that. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. And, I, and how he wakes up the guard I later say, on.
0: I actually kind of like that he accidentally <laughs> wakes up the guard. Especially in an era that we we live in now with Alexas and Ceres. It's like how easy it must be to do that with your yeah, digital right. assistant. <laughs> it's like, no, fuck off, Alexa. I wasn't talking to you. Right, should we oh, read this? Oh, go for it. Go for wait, it. just just to finish that, oh, let's that hear it. scene, because we basically just talked about that entire, entire Yeah, I'm playoff. sorry. I'm sorry. Go for it. I like the fact that Leela gets to stab a guard, because this is this is a scenario where Leela was trying not to. She uses K-9 to stun the first guard she meets. But don't we also then, get the doctor going, like, no, Leela,
1: don't kill that man.
0: Yeah, but, yes, in the, so in the in this scenario, she is prevented from stabbing him by the doctor saying okay. no, and yeah. I'll, and the doctor hypnotizes him. Okay. But oh, then, that's the guy. Oh, yeah, uh, right. But I when forgot. the doc inadvertently wakes him up again, Leela comes along and for twangs her her <laughs> knife from across the room, and gets the stab a guard. <laughs> Wait, sorry, what? What's the verb describing what she does? <laughs> she twangs. <put>
1: <laughs> Love it. It's
0: definitely in the dictionary.
1: Absolutely, OED. <laughs> Get it. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong bing
0: bong. Hey la, la 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 la.
1: Ratings. This is a thinly veiled. Social criticism in a science fiction allegory with a... Okay, you know what? In my opinion, great concept. And more than a few standout bits of dialogue. Doc and Leela, they are phenomenal in this serial. They collaborate, they banter, they complement each other perfectly. And... Yeah, the o- only negative, I've added a bullet point to say, like, is it just me or are they showing more leg than they have ever done before? And, <laughs> and I feel like this is an actual negative. We've already talked about this, but it is a negative. It's a, li- it's a little much at times. So I'm, I'm going to dish out some minus points for that item, uh, which I'll then immediately undo because, you know, let's face it, I welcome the distraction. Hades the Gatherer and his delectably loquacious sycophancy are a delight to the senses. The Collector himself is a little too on the nose, perhaps, but entertaining nonetheless. Edgar Friendly, that's Dennis Leary, or Mandrell, and Cordo, who I thought was called Gordo the entire time, and Bisham, who I thought was called Bishop the entire time, and Gaudry or Gaudry, can't remember, and even Veet, I think that's her name, they are all great. Love them all. Lots of marvellous sci-fi here, from the subjugating gas and the steaming to the myriad of gadgets, the sadly not-touched-upon, Soylent Green euthanasia centres. We talked about yeah. that. And the almost literal skyscrapers of this Megropolis. Mag- Fantastic stuff. But where this serial falls short for me is that only in episode four do we get to see that one corridor full of people. And we're being told that there are millions of people living there. And that on its own, like, being told that there's a greater scope, it doesn't make up for the lack of scale, like, particularly when most of the city seems abandoned for much of the serial. And this particular element, this can be transposed to other elements of the serial as well. So, for example, there's a whole evil machinery behind everything, but there are actually just maybe three people plotting, and uh, one or two of them might just be under the influence of the gas. We talked about that as well. We're planning a grand execution in one scene, even selling tickets to it. But oh, look, it's about to happen right now. You only have like all of five lawn chairs set out for the audience.
0: Yeah.
1: And that, ex- I mean, it literally happened seconds after they announced selling. Like, there's no scale. Everything is compressed. Yeah. It goes on. Uh, we have several megropolises, but we only ever get to see two rooms of one, and never learn what's happening in the others. Are there more Usurians on Pluto? There are six suns, apparently, which makes no sense, but then we only ever get to see one, and on at least a couple of occasions, they even refer to the sun, quote, singular. And based pretty much on only the title of this serial, are we led to believe that they're in the business of manufacturing additional suns, but that is never, ever explored. I would love to know what the business of the Usurians is. It can't just be this weird rat race of tax upon tax upon tax. There must be some end product that at the very least is used as, you know, the illusion of productivity for the humans who are there to pay tax. So for all these reasons, I'm voting up and I'm voting down, uh, both of which for story as well as production value. And all in all, I'm actually ending up on the exact same rating that I had previously written down before we sat down tonight. I gotta say, good show, Doc. 3.7 3.7 from me. Ooh. Yeah.
0: Nice.
1: There you go. Oh. Take it away, Jim. Well, then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Quite. <laughs> yes. So this is one of the rare occasions where I, I feel like my view of this has been reshaped slightly through our conversation. Oh, oh I'm because curious. I don't think I enjoyed the subtleties that this serial had to offer when I was watching it. Possibly, I've been suffering for a cold for the last few days. Might have something to do with it. <laughs> Might still be. Might still be. Because <laughs> I, I picked up that there are some interesting ideas here. I've said on a couple of occasions how it felt like a poor man's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in places where the ideas just weren't wrapped up in a good enough style. Like, it doesn't have to be comedy, obviously, because this isn't what Doctor Who is about. It's it's not comedy. It's more drama and a little bit of comedy thrown in for good measure. Sure. But it it mostly felt like it was kind of missing the mark with maybe the subtlety or the grace of telling a proper kind of satirical tale with a sci-fi element where you have a point to make. And some things were just too on the nose. Some things were too caricatures. Some things just didn't make sense, possibly because of it was meant to be sending up the tax system and it end up being all about capitalism, which are obviously not worlds apart, but not quite the same thing. But you know, the, the one thing that's actually made me think, you know what, Jim, you might've been missing something here. <laughs> I love when you talk to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> is your point about how eloquently sniveling hate is around the collector and how it shifts. Like I picked up on that, but like he says so many words, like literally says so many words that you just can't follow it all. Yeah, absolutely you, not. You get own. a rough gist. I, in the background, whilst I've been trying to, trying to listen, pay attention as <laughs> well, had a quick scan through the script. Oh, okay. I'm interested. And A, I think you're on the nose that it's when the PCM exits. Okay, good. you start shifting. I'm glad to hear it. But B, oh my God, it's just, like every, basically, every time he addresses the collector, he does it with some kind of sniveling remark. And that carries on when he shifts in them being slightly offensive. So it's the likes of your hugeness sent for me. <laughs> <laughs> but how your vastness is certain. <laughs> in what way your voluminousness? <laughs> and credit where credit's due. That's wonderful. And that's why I love that character. Like I obviously hadn't gotten all of the lines of dialogue but I got a sense from the portrayal and obviously what is being said, but, you know, can't remember it all. Yeah. So there is some meat here that I feel like maybe I didn't fully get on first watch. And maybe there's reason enough to watch it again. But I, I still feel, like you were saying, things feel very rushed and compressed, which is often the way, unfortunately, with televised things in general. Mm. I totally disagree. I'd, I'm yet to see another side to The Collector other than just being a fucking terrible caricature. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't really enjoy it. Lila is incredible, though. Doc is on good form. Already said Hade is marvellous. I think the sets were mostly pathetic, but the location was a wonderful choice. I'm sorry I to cut in, know. but it's spectacular. Yeah, the the very industrial tunnels and big... Tunnel slope like, I read going one location, which is, I shit you not, part
1: of the- I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm interrupting here, but it's part of the bomb shelter constructed in World War II, which links up with part of Churchill's Tunnels. Oh, wow. Yeah, and you can see some of these in- I can't remember if it's Hammersmith or Shepherd's Bush somewhere. Like, there are- stations above ground that lead to these tunnels below ground in which they film some of these scenes cool yeah very cool
0: stuff that looks amazing the i think the sets are probably very much on the cheap side there are quite a few of them so maybe they hmm. just they just had to be careful but right from the get-go we we see gavra haye's office which yes there are there are shitloads of people in it for a start but it seems to be about seven different types of room it has like these weird sci-fi columns in. Yeah. Without walls. Yes. To, to signify an entrance. <laughs> Thank you. But you like we see Cordo walking through them as if it's if it's a tunnel, where you know damn well he can just turn his head to the right and see Hayde just sat there pretending he can't see Cordo walking towards him. <laughs> it's like, nope, nope, can't react until he's come out of the fake tunnel. <laughs> Which is it's just a shame how cheap it feels. <laughs> and we didn't really mention the uh <laughs> sounds really me. <laughs> We didn't really mention the the terrible. I, mean, I called it an indoor jeep <laughs> scene. We didn't talk about that at all. <laughs> no. That's such a good scene. <laughs> like <laughs> it is good, but it's also terrible. <laughs> like I kind of slow motion like car chase. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that they're being what, what? Oh no! Yeah, like. Canine takes out one of the guards who's gone to arrest them effectively. Yeah. The dude is still sat there behind his machine cannon thing <laughs> in his Jeep. And the gunner goes, Oh, oh my god just my fellow guard just got shot. How on earth did that happen? I better go investigate. Blah 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 blah. Oh no, I've been shot. Gosh darn it. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. <laughs> Straight up loved it. This is this is not a small review. Rebu- I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I definitely, the memory of it, I feel like actually will stay. And I'm going to try and rate it more to reflect that. So I was I was going to go probably middling, I think, after. Oh, okay. Just first first watching without discussing it. Before listening to your review, I went 3.2. I'm going to bump it up ever so slightly to 3.3. Love it. Good stuff. I think overall, we can maybe give a little bit of
1: a, an applause to Robert Holmes. Well done, Robert. Good well chair. Trying to get a good chair. Yes, marvelous stuff. Right, shall we uh, have a listen to some listener minis? We better. <laughs> listener minis, now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Writer Rooney and Cheese Nozzles, we have arrived at the listener mini section of this podcast episode, and we have no less than 10 listener minis. Oh my, but be- Jesus. Podcast Land, let me just take a second. I love you. You are amazing. (laughs) And thank you, everyone, for sending something in for this episode. The first mini we received for this comes from Paul Forber. But, Paul, I'm sorry, we're going to omit yours this time around because you've submitted more of a synopsis than a... Review. Review, exactly. And we're going to focus on the review bit here. But please, podcast land... I'm aware that we did not really properly synopsize this episode, so I cannot genuinely find a better way of doing so than for you to go to hubackone.com and to read Paul Forber's Mini in its full splendour. So thank you very much, Paul. And, and when you've read it, high-five him online at WordsmithPaul.
0: Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. So the the first one we're going to read out in full will be from Chris Stapps Paddock. Hello, Chris Hello there, Chris Stapps. Chris says... A lot of 70s Who seems to be filmed with some kind of film that only picks up brown, yellow, and occasionally red, and this is one of those stories. The drab scenery matches a bit of a snoozy plot, one of whose main industrial relations melodramas, none of which ever work. Just ask the monster of Paladon. (laughs) Nice one. I don't know what it says about this serial, but the most memorable part is when the Doctor learns that repainting a space credit card doesn't alter how it works. (laughs) Who would have thought? <laughs> 2.8. God, I can't wait for the key to time. Fair enough. I'm super looking forward to the key to time. Uh, well, same- well, I would have quite like the key to time as well. <laughs> oh, wait, it's a dot two zero. Okay.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much, Chris Dabs. People who are not Chris Dabs, say hello to Chris Dabs online. Chris Dabs can be found at Paddock ND. No doubt. <laughs> Next up, we've got Phil Salter. Hey, Phil. Hi, Phil. Phil says The Sunmakers is a strange one, a thinly disguised, all-out attack by Robert Holmes on the taxman in story form, whilst also an attack on private business as government. I know many people love this story and its cynical take on things, but it's a bit run-of-the-mill to me. Several unrelated points follow. Point one, the production team love that long, echoey corridor. What a find! Steam Death Machine is a little odd as a point of spectacle. The rebels are rubbish. Richard Leach, as Haid, is amazing, truly amazing. His constant refrains of your highest, your sublimity, your eminence are wonderful. Indeed they are. If you listen carefully, some sound effects in this story are also used in the radio version of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. My God, it was subliminal (sighs) all along. (laughs) That is badass. A pretty good story, says Phil, kind of -of run-of-the-mill with two factions of rebels slash evil people. Good moments, but I've seen better. And he gives this... 2.0
0: Interesting Interesting I feel like he needs a conversation with you And then he'll bump his score up (laughs) (laughs) Yeah Let's give it a
1: try Phil doesn't really say how to find him on Twitter But he adds a little Twitter hint Perhaps everyone runs from the tweet man
0: Yes everyone does
1: Thank you very much Phil Thank you Phil Next up we've got Jim the Fish (laughs) Jim. Jim
0: We're in sync again We're in sync Jim Nice Nice one we're in sync. We're not in sync. Just to clarify for everyone. <laughs> no apostrophe. Jim the Fish says To start with, Robert Holmes wrote it as a satire of his own fights with the Inland Revenue Service. Tax evasion is frowned on in the UK. <laughs> and did such a good job that the producer Graham Williams cut some of the more obvious satirical material. Fearing controversy, from viewers whom he thought must goddamn love paying their taxes or something. Where did he think he was? Russia? Yeah, I'm really sure a lot of people would have hated the idea of making fun of paying taxes. (laughs) Admittedly, The Sunmakers might sound a rather dull affair, but it's great. These were the days when Doctor Who didn't suffer stupid implausibility every few seconds, and when the program was really entertaining from moment to moment and rarely dragged. I hadn't seen this one in years and thoroughly enjoyed re-watching it. This has a real sense of fun. The stories like Robot of Sherwood aspire to, but rarely reach or sustain across an entire story. It does not disappoint. And Jim finishes with a counterpoint. Holmes is too selfish to pay his damn taxes, picks a fight with the government, and sows the first few seeds of the show's cancellation. Leela spends most of the story either talking about fighting people or getting captured when she tries to fight them. The bad guy is a space Jew.
1: Hmm. You're not alone in having made that observation, uh, <laughs> and the final final
0: point that Jim the Fish <laughs> says is Bravo, Holmes. Rating Four out of five. That is that's the highest rating so far. It is Very four out of five. To... Thank nice you,
1: Jim. One. Nice one, Jim the Fish. Right next up we have Michael Ridgway. Ridgeway. Hello, Michael. Hello there, Michael. You're so big. Michael has added. A uh, bunch of points split up according to episode. Episode 1. Likes. The doctor readily committing ATM fraud. How did Visa not sue? <laughs> episode 2. Before I die, I will see this rat hole ankle deep in blood. I love you, Leela. That was a terrible impression of Leela. <laughs> not which voice always using that. Next point for episode 2. Austin Powers cliffhanger. The little car is coming straight for us. Albeit very, very slowly. <laughs> <laughs> episode 3. Canine is the Dalek in Dalek. Ooh, I like it. Why has no one built a canine battle army? Yeah, that would do it. That would be enough. (laughs) Likes. The collector's preference for executions in Dolby Digital Surround Sound. And Ready Steady Cook Cliffhanger, one steamed Leela, coming right up. Episode 4. The execution spectators got a refund, right? The Doctor's anti-violence pep talk to Leela are increasingly half-hearted. The Collector is an amoeba, missed opportunity to enlarge him and bring back the giant shrimp. No! (laughs) The Merry Mob chucking Gatherer head off the roof. Doctor, you've just handed the planet over to a bunch of murderous psychos. How do you sleep at night? It was in his notes. (laughs) (laughs) Last point for episode four. The bureaucracy of company plutocrats is reminiscent of the obsessive Space Corps directive quoting caretakers in Seventh Doctor story Paradise Towers. Perhaps this is where the surviving inner retinue officials went after being handed their P-45s. In summary... (laughs) Says Michael, kill the tax man. And he gives us a rating of 3.5 out of 5 inner retinue officials, given the choice of being lobbed off a building, zapped by K9, or filleted by Leela for the crime of doing their job. Marvelous (laughs) stuff. Love it. People Podcast Podcastland who uh, happen to not be Michael Ridgway, please do high-five Michael Ridgway online. Michael can be found at bad. Underscore. Movie. Underscore. Club.
0: And we're done with the underscores. (laughs) That's right. Thank you very much, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Next up on the review front is Peter Zunich. What up, Peter? It's the Zunmeister himself. Hello, Peter. (laughs) Peter says, this story is silly. (laughs) It's fluffy. It's overly allegorical. It's ham and it's dopey simple. Personally, I love it. (laughs) There are so many over-the-top characters here and they're all wonderfully performed. We even get Michael Keating, Villa restyle himself. Is that Blake's Blake name? seven? Okay. Who coincidentally is following a revolutionary who dresses just like Rogue Blake. Okay. Of seven fam. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I got that bit. It's still just a bit over my head. It's just an insane character study where everyone is having so much fun yet taking their roles so seriously. What truly vaults this story is the premise, the world building and the backstory. Every time some new twist is introduced that moves the plot forward, there's an equally interesting piece of past or present that is developed as well. The result is a world that we are comfortable in, with characters that make sense given all that has happened. Heck, even K-9 gets some useful moments. On the flip side, his monstrosity's breakdown in the last scene is a bit of a non sequitur. It feels like dialogue was cut for time. Likewise, Leela's ramming speed on the luggage cart always reminds me of The Simpsons. (laughs) When Sideshow Bob jumps on the parade float and we hear Chief Wiggum yell, Quick! He's slowly getting away! That wasn't the Chief wiggle impression. That was just words. (laughs) I liked it. I liked it. (laughs) Still, words like these only add to the fun. It's far from perfect and nowhere near epic. But this fun little story is a shining example of how a production can get past its hokey production budget and limited resources and rise above into something special. All praise the company. 3.2. Very nice, Peter. Excellent stuff. Wonderful stuff. (laughs) Thank you very much. Very good rating there. Next
1: up, we have Derek Moore.
0: Please, sir, can I have some Derek Moore? (laughs) I'm pretty sure we've done that joke already,
1: haven't we? Oh, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) I loved it. Derek, long time no see. Very glad to have you back. Derek says, Oh, what a fun set of episodes. Perhaps because this was my first time watching, but this felt quite original. Blade Runner meets Logan's Run meets The Office. (laughs) 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 The bureaucrats were really fun to watch. The biggest drawback was another instance of what felt like torture porn for Leela, and some gratuitous upskirt shots that were, well, gratuitous. Although I heard in the DVD extras, this was Louise Jameson's favourite story. Hmm, so bonus points for that. Overall, a 3.7 out of 5 guns made out of cardboard, which looked adorable. Aww. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> Excellent rating, Derek. That's a spookily familiar number. And a really good mini. Nice one.
0: Yes, thank you, Derek.
1: Next up, we've got...
0: Paul Waring. What up, Paul? Hello there, Paul. Paul says... Watching The Sunmakers as a teenager... I didn't get all the references and jokes, but as a cynical taxpayer who's just finished his self-assessment return for the year, (laughs) it's a much funnier story. (laughs) Apart from the digs at taxation and capitalism, the main thing that stands out for me is the guest cast for this story. Gavra Haidt is the most enjoyable character to watch, with my favorite moment being when he is told that you have to pay the reward for the capture of the doctor. Mandrell (laughs) makes a convincing leader of the outlaws, ready to kill the doctor one minute and then back his plan the next and Cordo grows from being terrified to helping bring down the company. The collector is wonderfully evil, though he clearly needs to hire some better guards, as I think they only managed to hit one target, Leela, oh. in the entire story. Overall, an amusing story that makes me chuckle, but it's towards the weaker end of Holmes's work, and not one I rewatch that often. Three out of five. Alright! to Mini, thank you very
1: much, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Do you agree, Podcast Land? Excellent. Of course you do. Please let Paul know. Paul can be found at p That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Next up, we have Daniel, a.k.a. Doctor In Waiting. Hello, Daniel.
0: Hello there, Daniel. And holy moly, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Generous present gift giver.
1: Yeah, if, if you haven't already, then have a look on our Twitter feeds or maybe Facebook, maybe Instagram, I can't remember I definitely Twitter, where we popped some pictures of Daniel's very generous Christmas present
0: lots of drinkables, thank you very much Daniel. And despite the message that he sent saying to Leon, no thanks is needed, we are thanking you Daniel. Yes, absolutely. And we're also going to read out a little bit of your, your message because it was delightful and it might inspire others <laughs> Hit, And it Wonder our hearts Cause Daniel did say, consider it my license fee for listening to hours of content for free, which I know must take you hours to record and even longer to edit. Aww. And without support and encouragement, how will you make it to reviewing the seventh Doctors serials? <laughs> how indeed? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Right. And what what words for this review did Daniel give us?
1: Well, here we go. Here is Daniel's mini. Daniel says, another jolly for Doc and Leela on an alien planet with an overbearing government that tax the people to death, a metaphor for Robert Holmes' issue with the Inland Revenue. Hang on, back up a minute, did they just kick K-9 in the opening scene? I forgot about that. The story flows along nicely and the Doctor's exchange with Gatherer Hayes after he is released from the Correction Centre is Tom Baker at his witty best. Hard to accept Michael Keating's in a tough-guy role after watching him in Blake 7 as the funny and often cowardly Villa. Leela stays true to her savage roots by detecting the suppressive gases pumped into the air, and her classic Leela line of, The guard will have warned others! We should have killed him! The only distraction I had from this otherwise great story were characters switching their emotions suddenly. Cordo wishes to commit suicide, then after a few words, his troubles are gone. Mandrell flicks back and forth from wanting to kill the Doctor and Leela, then he doesn't several times throughout the story. Oh, and why was there a need to make the Collector become a fungus? Was him being a member of an evil, financially exploitative race not sci fi enough? Overall, says Daniel, a rating of 3.4 tax rebates out of 5. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Yeah, it's very good stuff. Thank you very much, Daniel. And thank you again for all the drinks.
0: Indeed. Thank you. Thank you. They served us well for New Year's. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We've got there. We've got there. Number 10. (gasps) Last one. From Daniel, a.k.a. Doctor in Waiting, to. Nick, a.k.a. The Doctor. Hello, Nick. Hello there, Nick. There is a message here regarding the death taxes, corporation, and one person's exploitation. Of not only the workers, but also the natural environment or sun energy. And this is, in fact, very apt that you are covering this just as we are on the current political roller coaster here in the UK. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you will get into this in the podcast. No, we not I-, I wish we had, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we, we would have fallen down our pits. No. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> The story isn't terrible. I think I probably just found it predictable. I love the sets and they're reminiscent of lots of 70s sci-fi. Lots of running around, endless shiny corridors. However, Pluto looked mysteriously like a skyscraper roof on Earth. So what happens in the episode? Doc gets captured. Leader rouses the rebels. Canine shoots stuff. Pretty sure we see a lot of this over the next few eps and the previous few. <laughs> the highlight was the gratuitous way in which the Rebels straight up murdered the Gatherer and actually laughed about it. So, forgive my low rating for this period of hue. 2.4. Ooh, 2.4, eh? Just dipping
1: below average, eh? Holy moly, Nick. Mm-mm. Nice one. Excellent mini. Thank you very much. Lovely, thank you. Right Rooney. That covers the listener mini section of this episode. This has been a fantastic time. What have we got next? What's coming up? Next, we will have a new who.
0: New who. <laughs> new who. In, in the shape of listen.
1: That's right. Although, actually, I don't know. Don't quote me on this podcast, Lam, but there might be an audiobook review or something along those lines in between. Because otherwise, we're going to have at least a week's break. Because of holidays and work trips and so on and so forth. Yeah. Next, if we are doing an audiobook review, it'll be Nevermore. And after that, or possibly before that, who knows? After the next New Who review, anyway, we're back to classics with what, Jim? Some kind of underworld. (laughs) That's right. Which I'm looking forward to. Rings zero bells for me. Zero
0: bells. I have zero bells to ring.
1: Well, in the meantime, you can say hello to us online, though, Podcast Land. Did you know that? You can. Jim, for example, can be found at... Jimmy the Who. Mm, Correct.
0: (laughs) She didn't question it. I'm so scared. Wait, I've gone into a different universe. <laughs> and where can they find you then, Leon? As Ponkin?
1: Oh, right. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, say hi. We'll say hi back. Until the next time, please be rad and excellent to each other and rock on. Ciao, ciao, podcast land. See ya. and more which increases in Kablamo's with every episode and lastly give us a rating and review on iTunes it helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points that's it rock on and be rad and excellent to each other catch your ear balls in our next Who review or bonus episode until then cha who back when?